Just the one game this week and no goals to talk about. Andy Priest simply snorefest. Sam Medford thought it was a poor quality game with the pitch not helping. Desperately need a new striker. Something Stuart Grimley agrees with. Not pretty, but you can't fault the effort. Steve Bennett thought it wasn't the best, it wasn't the worst, we're still missing that cutting edge. David Royal thought Wimbledon were a horrible team, but crew need a centre forward who knows how to score. James thought we should be getting a result against the depleted side and adds the ref and the pitch didn't help. John Dickinson thinks the refs seem to get worse every week, but Brooke and Rio stood out as positives in this game. Simon Spencer thought the last couple of games have been slight improvement as a team and there were rare glimpses of some good passing moves. The final ball is still wasted though. Paul thought we looked good when we got it down and played it on the floor. Hopefully Ainley coming back will help too. Andy Griffiths is hopeful Ainley's return will bring some momentum and adds that if Long and CBR were fit, then we'd be far higher up this league. Phil picks out Conor O'Reardon for his seamless transition. It looked like he'd been playing there all season. Dan Colclough thinks it's mind-boggling that Sambu plays every minute every week. And Trev Griffiths thinks if we add a clinical striker, we can start climbing that table. Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. Just the one game this week, no goals to talk about. Uh, so good luck to our three panellists. They are today Aaron Lewis. Hello, Aaron. Morning. Alex Arani. Hello, Alex. Hello, Stuart. And James Tate. Hello, James. Hi, everyone. Now, to start us off, um, I'm old enough to remember that a nil-nil for crew is an annual event. This is the uh, the third one of the season. So, Aaron, I guess I'll start with you. Um, it sort of shows where our strengths and where our weaknesses are if we sort of start at the end. Yeah, um, you've about right, really. I, I'm kind of surprised it's only the third one we've had this season because we have we, generally, like you say, we've looked pretty tight at the back and obviously Arthur's been pretty good all season. So, you know, but then... We haven't scored two games since uh, two goals in a game since what August is it something like that? So obviously we're lacking up front. That's basically the story of the season. So say we've only had three nil nils is a little bit surprising, I think, for me. James, I wrote down yesterday that there was too much long ball. Um, that was what it was. There wasn't enough pl- playing for football. Um, I don't know if you agree with that, but that's the way it seemed to me. Yeah, there was just too much long ball football yesterday. Yeah, there was a lot of it. I mean, at the start of the season, that is what we were doing and we were sort of told it'll get better. Um, That hasn't really happened. Obviously, injuries are a factor in that. Um, There were times when I thought we played a little bit of football, but yeah, it it wasn't a great watch. Um, And it was exactly the same for Wimbledon as well. Um, They seem to be in a similar sort of situation to us in terms of quality and football and um, lumping it up to Davison. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot, of, a lot of long ball. Wasn't a great spectacle, but sadly it's what come to expect this season. 
Alex, it's been a little while since you were on. Um, is that similar to what you think as well, James? Like that, this is basically what you expect this season now with this crew team that we're not going to create much. We've not really got much going on. We might score a goal, maybe. Well, we haven't got a central midfield. So I think the, I mean, I remember coming on, I think the first time I was on the season was September. We obviously had the relatively decent start. And in my head, it was like, right, we've now got to turn this decent start into a football playing side. And actually, I don't think we're capable of. We haven't got the players to do that. So they've almost reverted back to what got us the decent start. The solid foundations, the missing out the midfield, the trying to turn the defence around. And, you know, I, I am against it, but I'm not at the same time because we've got to do what we've got to do to get results to ensure that we say we retain our Football League status. And that's the way they've decided to do it. Without a central midfield, you're not able to play football. And if you look at, you know, the side that we had that got promoted, you had Lowry, you had Jones, you had um, Green, you had Wintle, save the best all last there, which allowed you to play through the midfield. We don't have that now. And I think it's recognised from the management team and they're by us in the midfield. You know, Connor Thomas is a centre-half who plays central midfield, as far as I'm concerned. Despite the fact we signed him as a central midfielder, he's, you know, he looked, his best games, I think, is when he slotted back in at centre half. He, he looked very competent there. So you're going to have a problem um, to play good football. Um, and I think we've just got to grin and bear it, unfortunately. Results are paramount, and it's about time that the club started prioritising results over other things, and, and, and they're doing that. But yeah, it could be a long slog to the end of the season. If, uh, if Colcott was fit, would we be dropping Thomas or Griffiths? No, I don't think we would because, I mean, the last game, I know obviously suspensions mitigated that he had to go into uh, into defence, but it wasn't like we played football when Colcott's been in the side. We've not still been able to progress the ball. I think, and it's probably going to be, I put my tin hat on before I say this, I think the only way that we might actually play some football is with Callum Ainley in the side. Even when he came on, he's the only one who can take the ball on the half turn. So he can receive it off the defence and then turn and actually look to progress the ball. Thomas takes the ball when he's back. How he receives the ball, his back's, you know, half the game's behind him. Finney's the same. And this is always my gripe with Finney. Before he's so left-footed, he always cuts off half the game because he's unable to take the ball on the half turn. To be a good central midfielder and be able to move the ball from defence to attack, you need someone to take the ball on the half turn. Alamani's only a player capable of doing that in the squad. And it might change with him. But, I mean, we've been saying that for years, haven't we? Um, so I'm not going to hang my hat on it. Yeah, we'll, we'll go to Kalamani then, since you mentioned him. Um, is it a case that, Aaron, do you think that his stock has risen with him being injured? You know, at the start of the season, he was playing every minute of every game. I remember personally myself saying he's not really doing anything. And then I think the podcast, uh, sorry, the, the game after that podcast, he dislocated his shoulder. So are we now seeing, even if it is not obvious, what we've missed from him? Um, I, I think he definitely has sort of benefited almost from not being in this team over the last couple of months. Um, obviously, we, we kind of, what we can do with Ainley is look at, he had that really bright start, didn't he? Back when you know we were scoring goals and everything, and because he provided a lot of assists in those first few games. And you can kind of look at that and go, well, this is what he, he could have done. And he did seem to be sort of having a bit of a downturn in form just before he got injured, as the whole team did, like you say. Um, and then as the team sort of seems to have gotten worse over the last month or so, he's been out. And so maybe we can look at him as somebody who could come in and change it ideally. But like Alex said, 
we've fallen into this trap several times over the last few years where we think, oh, finally he'll come in and do something, and he never has. I, I must say, I am chairman of the Callum Ainley fan club. I know, Russ, you know, there'll be something that I don't want to spoilers. Start of the season, I was asked for predictions. My prediction was Callum Ainley will be player of the year. As it goes, because we've been so bad since he's been out the side, that's still got a chance, which is saying something when he's missed four months. But he has always been a player with talent, the way he receives the ball, his mannerisms. He's a footballer. It just, I don't know how you get that out of him. And to be honest, it will probably come out of him once he leaves the club. His contract's up in the summer. I'm not expecting him to renew. Once he leaves the club in the summer, you've got six months now. Put yourself in the shop window and get us some points pick us up some form and let's play some decent football off him. He is a good footballer. You can't get away from it. You cannot. You can't look at him and say, oh, he's crap because how he controls the ball, how he turns. He doesn't influence games enough. I completely get with that. You can't say he can't play football. And That's always that's always been the thing with him, isn't it? Is Every now and then you will see it and you will turn it on and we all go, this guy could be an absolutely brilliant, you know, absolutely brilliant footballer, especially at our level. But he's just never really put it, never been consistent enough. I never really put it together enough. I mean, it was five years ago, because it was 2018, January, when, well, it might have been 2017, whenever it was, when sides were sniffing around him. I think Preston were in for him at the end of the January window. So that was five years ago. He's just never kicked on from that. If anything, he's regressed. And that is a criticism of the club because you shouldn't have a player who was five years ago at the age of 18, 19 years old attracting interest at a high level and then not developing from there. So all of this, oh, we've got the best coaches, X, Y and Z. Callum Mainly is a prime example of actually it's not working because he should be way further along in terms of his, his development as a player and how we can get goals and assists. And actually, conversely, he shouldn't be at the club. We shouldn't be discussing Callum Mainly right now. He should have got his move already. I think that there's a couple of points there. And that what the first one really quickly, I'm not going to go over it, uh, but something you just touched on there, Alex, is you know, you're making the same point Tim made last year. In, when was the last time we improved a player? When was the last time you know we really, really coached a player to become better? The second then is um if he is gonna leave, and I'd suggest he probably would. I don't know. I was wrong about Lackland Brook last week, so you know, I, I am I am capable of being wrong. What's his level? Because I would argue the three at the championship, Wintall, Pickering, and Perry with a three uh, better ones that left. And then Lowry, Dale and Kirk in League One, maybe. Maybe there's some underachievement there. I, I don't see Ainley going to anyone bigger than Crew. I don't know. I could be wrong. I, I agree. I mean, I think League Two is his level. I'd say his stock has risen this year more because we have no other creativity in the team. Um, so we are relying on him and... You know, a couple of months ago, we were talking about Taverner and Charlie Finney as the saviour and the creativity. And now it's Ainley. Um, yeah, I don't I, I don't see Ainley getting a higher move. If you're a club in League One, would you take a punt? Maybe if you can get him on the cheap, on a one-year deal, perhaps. But I don't see a team in the National League taking him because physically, I don't know if he could cope. Um, I think League Two, League Two is his level somewhere. I think he's better than that personally. And again, chairman of the fan club, let's not be, you know, I've got rose tinted glasses on. But you look at when scouts come to watch 
three years ago when Ollie, uh, when Charlie, uh, sorry, Ollie Finney was scoring a load of goals. I, I'm, I'm willing to hang my hat on. There was no scout saying, Christ, we've got to sign this bloke. But I'm willing to say if a bloke turned up and saw Ollie Finney play or a fever, doesn't have to be, you know, scouts and not a particular sex. That's, you know, football's for everyone. Um, but if someone turned up and saw Calamaney play and they've got an eye for talent, they look at him and go, right, the boy can play. So when it comes to it, on a free transfer, they know he's been coached well and he has been coached well. His touch is good. He can turn a man. He can address the ball. He can pass the ball. Okay, they'd like to influence him more. But I think there's, you, you are right, he is a punt because he's not, influence games as much as he has for crew but you can't look at the bloke and say actually he can't play so I I, 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 I if I was Callum and I think he needs to leave for his own his own good I think he's got stale for him at the club I think he's not necessarily comfortable in the environment but he's now not developing as he should a different change of scene could bring out the player that I believe is there um, so hopefully we see that before he potentially gets to move in the summer yeah, I think it is, it's a change of scenery that he needs. I'm thinking if he goes to a higher-end League One club, let's use Charlie Kirk, Charlie Kirk as an example, he's not going to get the time and patience that he's had at Crew, and he's going to end up on the bench. And then if he's in the lower half of League One, he's sort of a luxury player that then becomes passenger in game. So I don't know. I get it. Yeah, potentially a punt. All right, let's move back to the game then. Um, Aaron, one thing that I was impressed with, and you know that list is very small from yesterday's game, uh, and it's something we briefly touched on last week, was um, Rio Adebisi and Tariko Akwe are starting. They're starting to show signs that they know each other's names and they both know that they're footballers and they play on the same team. Yeah, it's, um, it's fairly common a little bit, especially yesterday, I noticed it, that you know players are just not linking up that well. So it, it when when it does happen, you do tend to notice it a little bit more. Um and it like I say it does seem to be happening a little bit down that left. And and maybe we've maybe we've found the right position for Uakwe now is that's where he's going to be better off. Um and then if he can link up with Rio it, it, promising a little bit that we have got something to build off there. I think I think Peter Moore summed it up quite well. Tarek Uakwe right now is playing in a position where he's not going to finish his career, but if he wants to go higher up, he'll drop back into that left-back role. So actually, if you look at him and Rio, they did, they, there was some nice touches. And I, I think we should, we, we should, you know, make a, make a, you know, play or whatever you want to call it, say some words about Rio, because actually he wasn't very good on boxing day, but he was playing at right-back out of position. As soon as he's gone back into that left-back role, even the Carlisle game, there was the third goal, which him and Griffiths were, I don't know, wanted to chat to someone in the Gresty Road end that they didn't think about being in their own half when we were defending a set piece, uh, defending our own corner. But Rio at left back, it looks very comfortable. And him and Uwakwe, I think there's something to work for, work from. So if you're going to go with this 4-4-2, which I think is quite likely, then you, you, you've you got shoots, you've got a good solid left back who likes to get forward and you've got Uwakwe who has got the tendencies because he's played left back to ensure that actually it works on on both, both, both players' part. So... Yeah, long may it continue, and we need more. We need more partnerships on the pitch to ensure that we can put some patterns of play together. Um, you know, we've got Rio and Uwakwe potentially down the left. You need to get Brooke and Mella more on the right. You need a couple of central midfielders who can take the ball off the back four. We're still a long way off, but it's it's a green shoot, I would say, that left hand side. 
Yeah, it's, it's something to build upon. My my only concern with Rio and Meller a little bit is that in the Tranmere and um, Wimbledon games, they just the wingers and the fullbacks for Tranmere and, and Wimbledon never really seem to trouble them and fully occupy them. So I don't know if it's just that we've come up against two bang average teams and we're suddenly looking all right or whether they are genuinely improving and there is something building there. But no doubt Rio had a really good game. Um, I can't remember the last time he got forward as much. He must have got four or five crosses in. Um, so, yeah, it was good to see. I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be guilty of some arrogance here, James. But the fact that you're worried about them looking good in relation to being up against bang average players, that's the division we're in, isn't it? Like, you know, we've said all season, this there's not many good teams. We've not really seen the real late and Orient yet. But there's no one that's come to crew and I've thought, Jesus, they're a good footballing team. Yeah, absolutely. Not seeing a good team apart from Orient. I thought Tranmere looked solid and organised in their home fixture, but then terrible again in uh, our home fixture. So, yeah, I mean, we're matching up and they look better against these average players, which is good, um, certainly for this season to solidify and build upon that. But in terms of moving forward, I don't know if it'll be enough. Hopefully it will. But yeah, if we can get to safety and then move on from that. If we're talking about players not seeming to know each other's names and having any build-up play or any linking-up play at all, shall we talk about the two strikers? Surely now we should. We should be seeing some sort of relationship between the two of them. But they're still playing like I play on a Thursday night when someone turns up who's never been there before and I'm not sure of his name and I only learn it halfway through the hour that I play football. It's pretty disappointing, isn't it, Aaron, to see two strikers playing so alien to each other yeah it is and and that's the exact one I was thinking of when we say about we haven't got any part you know there's some partnerships that aren't there it, it is those two and it's just there's no link up between the two of them the half the time don't know if they're going to be cutting back or they're going to be progressing on there's no it, it seems like we need to go a little bit back to basics with them in terms of just pass the ball to the other lad's feet a little bit because you never you don't know whether he's going to be running on or not and you know, it doesn't seem like the the other guy knows it half the time. So yeah, the, it's it's a little bit annoying, and it was the main sort of point of our failing yesterday. I think was those two because everything else, you know, it wasn't stellar, but it, it seemed to work a little bit. Whereas when it everything seemed to break down when it got to the final third, I don't know if the other guys agree with that, but. Yeah, I agree. And I don't, I'm thinking back to sort of if it's a failing in the recruitment side where we've got two players who deem good enough, um, questionable, but I mean, are they the right personalities? Are they the right, have they got the right football intelligence to be able to build that that relationship and that bond? But yeah, as you say, it's not, it's not coming. It doesn't look like it's developing. Um, so yeah, it, it's a worry, and a lot is breaking down. And as a result of that, we're we're not creating a lot, are we? One thing I suppose I would sort of lean back on. Obviously, uh, we seem to have gone to this four four two system sort of now, anyway, or at least we did in the first half yesterday. Um, so if everybody's fit now, I know that's a big if at the minute because 
it feels like Chris Long plays for us in theory only at this point. But um, you've got Chris Long and you've got CBR in there. Who who would you think that we would actually have as our front two? Would it be those two? Do you think Sambu and I mean Sambu's probably not going to get into on, on the bench, is he? And yeah, it would know. be. It would be it would be long long. Long's best form for us last year was when he was alongside Porter. So when we went to a sort of three-five-two, that's when he looked most likely when he could have someone doing the donkey work inverted commas. CBR does that, but a bit better. So I think those two would a hundred percent be the front two. And if you look at Adji yesterday, he went sort of wide left in the second half. That's when he did his best work when he could stand up a fullback and run at them directly. So you, you could really go quite aggressive and almost have three forwards on the pitch. One of them playing in a wide left position in a four-four-two, and then CBR and Long up front. Um, and I think it's, I mean, if you've got a solid foundations, and we do, like the the, the back, you know, the two centre halves yesterday were never in trouble. You know, I know. O'Reardon got pinned a couple of times maybe in the first half but he was never really looked like getting spun which is always the concern when you get pinned um, and it was the same with uh, a concrete rod ne- never never gets pinned I mean how on earth have we signed that bloke by the way w- w- what a player uh, you know I think I tweeted the other day I was just lying in bed thinking about him I was like what a, what a, what a man like he's got he, not only is he good he did a bit of play yesterday when he sort of nearly looked like he was in trouble and then dropped a shoulder nice little instep and then played a ball in field I was like we've not just picked up a cart hall centre half it's our best best ball playing centre half so actually when we're talking about this 4-4-2 you've got McDonald you could have offered alongside him you can have a Reardon alongside him you've got the solid base let's actually say do you know what let's get Adji, CBR and Long on the pitch. But we're talking hypotheticals here because, I mean, as Bell mentioned in the fans forum, you, you, CBR is out for a long while. Um, and I don't think I don't think we'll see Long in a cruise again um, unless he recovers from his ankle surgery quickly. So we're in a position where we've got to, if we're going to go 4-4-2, you ain't got much choice. You've got to go with these two up front. I know there's Connor Evans as an option. But he couldn't get in the marine side, which is, you know, submissive in water. Yeah, you like that pun. Thank you very much. Um, um, he couldn't get in that side. So what chances he got getting in the League Two side? Well, I've seen a few things on Twitter uh, and, you know, read things that people have wrote to me about Sambu. Um, and the question at the moment is, what does he have to do not to play every minute of every game? Because he's never subbed. You, you mentioned Connor Evans. He's on the bench. And yeah, he didn't really set the world on fire at Marine, but he is a young player who is after game time. We're led to believe he was an excellent youth prospect all the way up through the youth teams. What what needs to happen? Um, and just to back that up, I do have some stats for you here. In League Two, Gillingham have scored the least amount of goals with, you won't be surprised to learn, Mika Mandron and Scott Kashka up front. They've only managed seven goals in the league this season, which if you think it's been bad at Crew, imagine that. Crew, though, are second lowest, their joint second lowest with Rochdale, who are in 23rd position. They've only scored 19 goals each. And then the next teams have all scored 24, and that's Hartlepool, who are 22nd, Colchester and Newport, who are all just around or below us. That sort of shows where we are. You know, we're 17th in League Two. We've scored 19 league goals all season. 
it's all right being safe and solid at the back, but we have to score goals. That's what football's all about, and we're just not. So, what? Going back to my original question, what does Sambu have to do or not do to get subbed off at least once in a game? Uh, stop running, maybe. I don't. That's the only thing he seems to offer at this point, isn't it? Is he just likes to run around a lot? So, if he stops doing that, is that maybe the time when you go, hang on, this, this fellow's actually doing nothing now? Um, I don't know. I I was. Trying to, I think I was probably defending Sambo a lot longer than most people, and even after after yesterday, I, even I was just like, I, I can't. What what is going on here? Why is this guy still playing? Let alone playing ninety minutes. Yeah, perhaps Bell is just simply an intensity and style of play that he's he's looking to bring that intensity. Which in the first half, when Wimbledon were looking a little bit poor and we were sort of growing a little bit in the game, it was really encouraging us to sort of get going quicker he's trying to get a conquo to take his goal kick quicker and get us going so I don't know if it's just an intensity thing that he likes Sambu because he puts everything into it he closes people down he occupies people makes space maybe he does that better than Evans and like Alex said maybe Evans isn't all that so Sambu is maybe the best option available at the moment um yeah I don't know I don't know where you start with Sam. He's clearly not a striker. I mean, I back myself in front of goal ahead of him. And Bass, if you listen to this, we'll do a little competition at half time. We'll get left foot, right foot, head, and 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 I'm and I'm relatively confident I'll beat you, mate. Um, but he does he does occupy centre halves. You can't get away from that. And I think what also does him a favour is he almost, when you think, oh, what's Sambu doing? He then pops up and does something. So I remember in the second half, he held one up, rolled a man and laid it off. And it was sort of within halfway through the second half. So I think as a manager, you see that and you're like, well, hang on a minute. He's still in the game. He's doing something for us. But he's frustrating. I mean, he was unlucky with the first one. Uh, the two chances he had, if you know, I'll, I'll jump the gun, Stu. I think we, we probably would have got onto that if we're discussing him. The first one, he was unlucky. He made that near post run. And actually, if you look at his runs, he does make the sort of... Everyone's going, oh, he should always get across the near post. I don't necessarily buy that. I think as a striker, you want to get in positions where you think the ball's going to go. And I think he does. But the problem is, when the ball, if the ball was to get to him, you'd, you'd never back him to score. The first one, he was unlucky. I think he almost the angle, when you make that near post run, you do narrow the angle if you get in front of the near post and he couldn't just divert it towards the goal. The second one... And people have got it in reverse, I think. People seem to think the first one he should have scored. The second one, if he'd have... If Courtney Baker-Richardson is on the pitch, he scores. He sees the fella going, he realises this is going to go here and he's not taking that header sort of as a flying header. He's nodding it in. And that's where he lacks. He just doesn't have that killer instinct. And you can't imprint that in someone. You can't... You, can't, you don't learn that. You've got it. So it comes back to, well, actually, what are we then going to do with this fellow? He's not got the killer instinct to be a striker. He does show some striker tendencies when he can hold it up, when he can get his back to goal. How can we then utilise him in a role where he can be useful for the team? Because you can't play 4-4-2 and have a striker who's not scoring a goal. Because you're going to potentially lose a midfield battle. You could, you're not protecting your back four in the process. You play 4-4-2 if you've got two wide men who can get it in the cross and you've got strikers that score goals. So we need to... I'm not saying reconsider, but we need to think about is this is this going to be successful for us going forward? 
just to sort of go back to what you said at the start there, jumping the gun, I think if we're having a 10-minute conversation about where Callum Ainley might move to rather than talk about the match highlights, Alex, I don't think we're too concerned about missing anything from yesterday's nil-nil draw. Um, the other thing I was going to say to that is um, when we had Alex Morris on back in um, October, I think it was, I questioned him then about Sambu, and he his response to me was, would you like to face him? And the reality is at the time, I was like, well, no, but I'm 38. I've got one working knee and I was never good enough to become a professional footballer. If I was, yeah, because of what you just said, like he doesn't offer any sort of serious threat to goal. Like he's he runs around a lot and he's quite strong and he does have the occasional glimpse of holding the ball up. But if you let him hold the ball up, you know that you won't be able to intercept his pass because he doesn't seem to be capable of doing three simple things in a row well. Good. Silence is golden. I think it says it all. No one's got anything to say on that, Stu, because I think everyone fundamentally agrees. I, I, I don't mind, you know, I think Sambu gets a lot of criticism, rightly so, but I think he's one that actually, I think there's something to work with there, but, you know, it comes back to the coaches, actually. We've made this point. You know, Dario Grady could have made a player out of him because there's attributes there. I remember when Dario would say a player was too far gone, but he'd get him in the side and he'd realise what attributes they've got. They might not be able to play football in his way, but he'd recognise the talents they've got and utilise them accordingly. And I don't think we're doing that with Sambu. If you're playing the, if you're playing the bloke a wage, you clearly like his intensity, you like his style. You've now got to make sure that contributes to the side. You know, the second lowest scorers in the league is no coincidence when he's played as many minutes as he has. Um, and, you know, you look at Adji, you feel like Adji, there's a goal in Adji, didn't you? You look at Sambu and you never think there's a goal in him. But I think there's there's the skills that Sambu have got that we should be looking elsewhere. To, to Elsewhere, I say elsewhere. We should be looking, well, we should be looking elsewhere. We need to get another striker in if we're going to play 4-4-2. But we should be looking to utilise him elsewhere on the pitch because he does run, he's got a good engine, he puts himself about, he's strong in a tackle, he can head the ball. Although the 93rd minute might say otherwise, um, but he can head the ball. Why aren't we using that in a different way which we can benefit from? We're not using his skills in a way that benefits us, the, the, the team and we continue to keep on playing him. It's bonkers. James, I'm going to change the subject and change the player now um, to someone else who, to steal Alex's phrase, might have been too far gone two games ago. Um, I got the nickname Concrete Rod going. I'm now going to start calling Regan Griffiths Professor Chaos because I feel like that's what he is in the midfield. You don't know what he's going to do. The opposition doesn't know what he's going to do. And crucially, I don't think he knows what he's going to do, but he's had two very good games in a row now, I think. Yeah, he has indeed. Um, what I'm doing is I've completely wiped my memory of Regan Griffiths before 2023. Um, so we've signed this this experienced, dogged terrier in midfield on January 1st. Um, and that's exactly what he's been. He's been brilliant. Like, if he was a new signing, we'd be singing his praises. Um, he's had two really good games. And he's, like you say, he has been chaotic at times, but he's also got in some really important positions, made some good clearances, and also showed a bit of, intelligence he's made quite a lot of interceptions more probably than Thomas has so he's had two good games which is probably 
as many good games as the other players have had. So has he? I don't want to be critical of him because he's come in and done well, but that shows how far the bar has fallen. That those two performances constitute good games. He's a central midfielder whose pass completion would be sixty percent. Ryan Wintle, Tommy Lowry, even Tommy Lowry last year was probably at 70-80% and he was looking to progress the ball. Regan Griffiths is doing a job in there for us. That's all it is. Let's let's not let, let let's be complimentary. He's doing a job in there for us, which is what's been required of him. But we know we're still bypassing the midfield where possible and he's playing in that midfield. So that need, that tells you everything you need to know about his ability as a footballer. Um, so, I, you know, everyone's jumping on the Regan Griffiths train and there has been a lot of praise online. But, you know, he's intercepting the ball. He's making a tackle here. He's making a tackle there. It's your job. I think, like that, I think that's what you want, though, as a fan, isn't it, Alex? Like, this player has come through the academy and you hear, oh, you know, he's going to be a good player, blah, 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 blah. And then he comes in and he isn't. And then he's out of the team and it looks like he's out of the club. And then he gets his opportunity and he's not, Ryan Wintle, he's not Tommy Lowry, but there's progress. And as a crew fan, is that not what we're all about? We're not expecting to see David Silva on the pitch at Gresty Road. Is it not about him proving that he, A, deserves to be at this football club and then getting better and progressing? Is that not what we want to see? Or have you decided that he's just not going to get to the levels that we need? There's nothing that I've seen of Regan Griffiths that that tells me He's the central midfielder that's going to get this side playing out from the back and putting players, better players, in the shop window. A lot of players got to move off the back of Ryan Wintle, I'd say. Let's take that as a, as a yardstick. Because he could sit there, he could dictate play, he could get it to Kirk where he'd be able to isolate his fullback, all of that sort of stuff. You know, Griffiths is doing a job in there for us, but he's by no means the answer. And, and, it's, and Thomas alongside him, is not a central midfielder. I, I, I don't care. I mentioned it earlier. He is a centre-half because he's got no awareness around him. His passing range isn't good enough. But, tell you what, at centre-half, when it's all in front of him, he's a good player. And that's why, when it comes to it, I'd like to see Offord come back in. And I, you know, I think Tim's mentioned it previously, or certainly to me. Offered in central midfield, I completely agree with that because Offered is one that looks like he can play it. Let's then that'll be the barometer for Regan Griffiths whether actually Offered's our best footballer. We've put him in central midfield and he still looks shit. So it's a management issue, it's not a player issue. But Griffiths has, has, has never struck me as someone who's going to solve the issue. But fair play to him, he's come in, he's doing a job for us, and we need jobs doing. We've got 29 points. We probably need another 15 between now and the end of the season to make sure this time next season we're playing League Two football. I think what you've said there is kind of right in terms of you know players coming in and doing jobs. It's because if you're expecting uh, Regan Griffiths to come in and do anything resembling a Ryan Wintle job, then you're kidding yourself. Um, but but it, the the word uh, James used actually is a terrier, and he has he has come in and he has done that job pretty well, I think, over the last two games. Um, I'll be for me, it seems a little bit like it's it's what we mentioned is this is a player who'd got written off kind of by by the fan base, if not by the management, I and mean, it kind of looked like by the management because he wasn't getting any minutes in the first half of the season. Um, and he's come in and 
he was kind of aware of that as well a little bit, I think. And he's now trying to prove everybody wrong. And so he is running into every challenge and he is throwing himself about and he's trying to prove a point. If he's still doing this in five, six, seven games, games time, uh, then fair enough. But I, I, that's where I'm kind of a little bit, let's see if he can keep keep this up and keep this kind of level up. And But is this a good level? Is this a level we're aspiring for? Regan Griffiths running around the pitch, winning tackles, it's... intercepting balls and not, not completing passes? When when the alternative has been everything else we've had from the midfield, which is the sum of nothing, yes, I guess it is. It's an improvement. That's all it is. I mean, I'm not, I'm not. Have we had anything in midfield in the last two games? Like, am I missing something? And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. It's... We seem to be bypassing the midfield. Look at look at how quickly Conor O'Reardon got the ball yesterday and looked to clip one into the channels. So it, being a midfielder, you don't really need to be a midfielder in this side. You need to be someone who can snap around the pitch, get around the pitch, win tackles, intercept the ball. Like you could put a, you could put Kelvin Miller in there; he could do that job, and he's a fullback. I think I think we know Griffiths is he's limited. I don't want to say football wise, but attacking wise, definitely. Um, but maybe it's that defensive work that. He's, he's getting him his place and he's going to get us our results. I think Morse mentioned on the radio that our last five wins have been 1 0. So we're not, you know, we're not scoring goals. But if we can stop the other team scoring goals, which Griffiths could be key to if he keeps this up, then, you know, it gives us a chance and it's back to basics again. I, I actually think if you look at the last two goals we've scored, I think the combined yardage from them is probably 60, 65 yards. You're not going to you're not going to do too well if that's how you score goals. But actually, we've we've got you know we've got centre halves coming out of our ears. We've got Offer who's suspended. Our Reardon's coming and look like he's been playing there all season. Concrete Rod, find me a better centre half in the division. Connor Thomas is a centre midfielder. He's a centre half masquerading as a central midfielder. So actually, this nil, I actually think we're capable of making it nil more often than not against. And on that basis. That is a good place to start from. And if you had, and this is not, I say, no, it is a criticism. I think if you had a proper manager in this side, if Steve Evans was managing crew, and I'm not advocating him to be a manager of crew, they would realise, actually, we don't need to concede. We can, we can go up this league and progress up the table through, through being solid at the back. We just don't look like scoring goals. But other managers would find a way to get us to score more than we are. And that's all we need to do. It doesn't take much changing. Yesterday, we didn't look like... I never thought we were going to concede yesterday. The Tranmere game, the first 15 minutes aside when we got overrun, the next 75, I I was never thinking, oh my God, they're going to score at any given moment here. That is a base for success in this league. We've seen some bad sides go up from it. And I'm not saying we're going to get promoted by any stretch, but we should be doing more than we are. And that is on the management. So we've got to find a way of actually figuring out how we can utilise the strength we've got in defence to, to make this side higher up the table. Make this side higher up the table doesn't really make sense, but you get what I'm getting at. This side should be higher up the table on that basis. One thing I think, I think you're right. Um, and I am right, thank just, you. just I, said I that. <laughs> but... Um... I think it comes down a little bit to what we were on about before with the forward players. Uh, there was a few times yesterday when I thought it doesn't show up on the highlights because they were the ones that he did actually manage to get on the end of, but there was a few balls played into the box and stuff that there was just nobody there for because we hadn't got that number nine. We haven't got CBR, like we've mentioned, playing for us, who is going to be 
in the box waiting for that ball to come in and we can poke it home. I reckon we, there was a good few chances that just never came to anything yesterday because we haven't got the strikers. And that's kind of where everything seems to be falling down for me. How do we create a chance? And what I mean by that is let's, and again, I keep on referencing back to the side that was good, you know, the Wintle side, that I'm, you know, the, the, the promotion side. But you see where they was coming from. You could get the ball wide to Kirk, power one wing. They drive at the fullback. You'd have your overlapping, uh, drive at their fullback. You'd have your overlapping fullback alongside you. You'd have Porter and, you know, someone in the middle that could get on the end of crosses. If not, you had the cutbacks where your midfielder was arriving. How does this side create chances and look like scoring a goal? And I don't think you need good players to be able to do that. I think you need a pattern of play and you need structures that are set in by the management team to, to look like doing that. And I, and, I don't, and I don't see that in this side. I don't think this is how we're going to score a goal. And if you look at the last, let's go back to the last four goals we've scored and we can list them all off. Colcott, 35 yards. Brook, 30 yards. Um, Aji, penalty at Swindon. And then Tarek Uwakwe, brilliant cross. Aji, home to Colchester. Now, we don't put in those crosses for someone to get the end off regularly enough. So we're not exactly playing patterns in the middle of the park. So what are we hoping to hit one into a channel, get set pieces, get second balls because no one's close enough to the strikers to even profit off the second balls. I don't see how this side scores goals. I mean, uh, you could, going back to what Stu mentioned before, you could see the start of it a little bit in on that left-hand side, I think yesterday. There was a there was a bit of link up play, like say between the two of them, and I know it's it's a million miles away from that team from two three years ago because we're just we're not that team anymore, and anybody who thinks that we are is kidding themselves. But um, but yeah, I think there, there is the start of that link up play, and like I say, Wacko had a few crosses in, sort of into no one effectively because the strikers weren't there. Is my point? That's sort of where I'm coming from. But again, that that's on the management because. If the strikers aren't in the box, why aren't they in the box? So they're not expecting the crosses, or they're not expecting what? There's no structure, there's no pattern as to how we score goals. It's something I wrote about um before the Tranmere game for someone asked me to answer some uh, answer some questions. And I think I mentioned it last week. You know, we don't play through the middle, we don't play wide, we haven't got target men that we can hit it long for. It's more of an accident than a result of good play, I think, at the moment when we score goals. You know, look at last week, Mr. Bump. He managed to score a goal. I mean, he got injured. He's now out for another six weeks. But um, that was it. If if he hadn't done that, it would have been another nil-nil draw, I think, that game. You're wasted being a host, Stu. Your insight there is panellist-worthy. Thanks. Nail, nail on head. And your nickname work as well. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's all I've got to think about. Um, right, James, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to give you the choice of topics to talk about. Referee or crowd with the initiative for the club? Uh, I'll go crowd, please. Um, yeah, obviously, now the, the initiative was on, which was great to see. I mean, we've called for it for a while and the club has done it, so fair play and we should do it more often. Um what what was the attendance? Four thousand two hundred, four thousand three hundred, four thousand three hundred. So take away the couple of hundred away fans, over four thousand home attendance, which I think is good, is solid. Um, did we want it to be a bit more? Of course. Where I sit, there was probably three or four more families with young kids, which is good to see. That's what it's all about. Um, 
did they get a good game and a good spectacle? Not really. Will they come back? Potentially not. Um, but even if, you know, if, if one person comes back or if they go to school or go to work on Monday and say, yeah, I did this, it was good, or you want to go next week, then it's worth doing. So fair play to the club. Um, I hope we do it again. Um, next time, maybe we can do it on a date which suits away fans as well. I know there were some train strikes, I believe. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame that maybe the away fan didn't uh, fully benefit from it. But, yeah, there, there was definitely, definitely, well, there was more people there. There was more young people there. The concourse was packed at half-time. Um, I don't know financially what difference it makes, positive or negative. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's, it's good to see. And we should be doing it as a community club. Yeah, I think I, I'd agree with that. You know, we I think it was less than the week before against Tranmere, but Tranmere filled out that away end completely and Wimbledon brought, I think, just over 200. So definitely more home fans. And realistically, when this club was in its prime in the championship, the average home attendance was about 7,000. So it, it's going to be difficult, whatever you do in League Two, playing the football we're doing at the minute to fill that ground. You know, you could probably give away free tickets and people would still not, come if it was raining and cold and wet and everything yeah that's it I mean you see when the winds come the fans come you see it it, it happens so yeah so result is where we are on the pitch yeah it, it, I do wonder whether if Sambu's diving header in the last minute had gone in the goal a 92nd minute winner it might have brought more people back through the door for another occasion but no credit the club I think we're the first to criticise them but they've gone out, they've done something, they've got over 4,000 home fans through the gate. I think there was a lot of kids there for a quid. Hopefully, they've got the bug. But, I mean, based on the product on the pitch yesterday, I think the bug was COVID-19, unfortunately. So we, we might well struggle to see them again. Well, a couple of uh, the feedback from a couple of the pod. I know they sold out of hot dogs very early yesterday. So, you know, that's extra cash into the into the tills. But then, you know... Pod favourite Steve Davis was complaining that someone had stolen his season ticket seat. So, you know, swings and roundabouts to this. Um, Aaron, I'll come to you then with everyone's favourite topic, referees. Yesterday's was a good one, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, coming back to the uh, the crowd thing, I managed to, to get a couple of couple of friends down um, who, who don't normally go. You know, they can't really, you wouldn't call them crew fans, but, so they're not used to watching this level, shall we say. And they were just just couldn't get over the the uh, the standard of refereeing we get at this level. And it's not the first one we've had this season. It's definitely not going to be the last one, but it was just, I mean, we, we know what to expect from Wimbledon because we all, we saw the game earlier in the season for against them and it's very niggly and they like to play for the set pieces and, and throw themselves down a little bit. So we knew that we were coming in for that, uh, but the ref maybe didn't because he bought every single one of them and it was very frustrating to watch. Um, that's yeah, that's my polite way of summing up the referee performance. I'm not, I'm not going to criticize the referee, and the reason I'm not going to criticize the referee is because this is absolutely society's doing why people like that are on a football pitch refereeing professional football games. We have gone on too long abusing refs from the top right the way down to the bottom. It has put people off refing, and now people like that end up refereeing professional football games because they've gone through all of the shit that they've got. 
So if you're listening to this and you play Sunday League football, next time you think about having a go at the ref, trying to abuse the ref, trying to do that, stop it. This is what we get as a byproduct. He's an honest bloke. He was absolutely horrendous. He didn't know his arse from his elbow, but he is a reason. He is the he is the cause of your behaviours. So please stop it. I'm glad you weren't going to abuse the ref. We need the the, the comedy moment of the season where it's shortly after uh, Bassambu's flying header attempt was. Uh, it appeared that the centre half kind of got in his face a little bit. I think he was just laughing at him. I'm not quite sure, but he, he looked like he was just laughing at his face. And obviously, like nobody's going to take that well. So the, he tries to have a sort of bit of a push of him, laughing at him. And Bass sort of, as he, as the defender's walking away, just just sort of grabs his collar a little bit. And the fella then, what for what felt like 10 seconds, mimed falling over. And it was just, it went from the shock of the missed ch- chance to being one of the funniest things I've seen on a football pitch in some time, I think. I think, I think it shows Bass's development, by the way, because at Salford away, he'd have grabbed him by the throat and got sent off. But now four months down the line, he just grabs him by the collar and little... just laughs it off. So... You know, if people say Bass isn't improving, I think there is there is the point that he is. Fair play to the coaches for that. Okay, I think that will do us then for the Wimbledon game. Next, we'll have a little look at Mansfield coming up next week. But first, the women's team uh, hosted Mossley Hill on Sunday. Here's how they got on. Okay, so we've got uh, Captain Lauren Cooper here after a wonderful 5-0 victory against Mosley in the first game for the Alex women in 2023. Uh, great way to start the year off, I guess. Uh, Lauren, anything from you from the game? Yeah, I think, obviously, 5-0, you can't really ask for much more. Five goals, clean sheet, great way to start the new year. Um, <clears throat> the girls were really, really good today. Uh, we were clinical in the final third, and they didn't, I don't really think Hannah made many saves she made a, a, a one a, a looping one that she's always going to make um but yeah really really proud of the girls today we were, we were super um i'd say it was probably a story of two halves with the first half being quite competitive um you guys seemed to blow them away really in the second half what, what was the difference do you think yeah i think in the first half um we played almost we almost a bit sloppy towards the end of the first half but i think obviously first game back that might always be the case. Um, got into half-time, won the lot, which was obviously where we wanted to be uh, in front and where we, where we arguably deserved to be. We had the better chances, like I say, Han didn't really make any saves. Uh, half-time, a few personnel and a few tactical substitutions, but I think um, if the personnel had stayed the same in the second half, the results still would have been the same in terms of the tactical, subs- uh, the tactical differences made the difference, not exactly the personnel changes. Um, it's obviously great to have a, a big squad back again, you know, five players on the bench, just something we haven't had for a long, long time. Uh, which is brilliant for us and obviously it keeps you on your toes and keeps everyone working towards the same goal. Um, and a word on a couple of them players as well. Um, it was Meg Parker back today and Emma Heath. Um, Emma's obviously a young player. Uh, nice to see somebody coming through like that. Yeah, uh, obviously Meg's come back um, from America and obviously we know how good she was before she left and she's Im- improved while she's been away and obviously she's come back now just as good as she was before and something that gives us a bit of a different option. Um, but she was class, uh, as she always is, driving at players and she's not scared to take anyone on. And yeah, Emma, obviously really, really good for us to have another academy player come through, obviously only just 16, um, but didn't, didn't look out of place at all. Um, got 
absolutely nailed on one of, one of the challenges, but bounced straight back up. Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, class. And then looking forward, um, two really big games coming up within the next two weeks. I think it's Blackburn and FC United. Um, big games. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think obviously travel to Blackburn next weekend, which is obviously a long way to go, but we're there. We'll be there full of confidence and we know it's a game that if we perform, we can win. Obviously, when we played them at home before Christmas, um, quite early on in the season, um, we, we, I think it was a 6-5, 11-goal thriller, I think, from what I can remember, but we were nowhere near where we needed to be and we know that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll travel to them in, in the hopes of giving them a really good game and hoping to come away with something. And then FC come to us uh, at home, which we know what they're about, um, and, yeah, we'll look to give them a really good game. But, yeah, don't want to look too far ahead. The next game is always the most important one. OK, well, we look forward to hearing from yourself or someone else uh, following that game then. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next Saturday, the Alex will have their first away day of 2023, and it's a trip to Mansfield. Now, we all know that 2002-2003 is the greatest season in football in history. Uh, and Mansfield will always be quite a special team in that season because we played them four times. We beat them 5-0, 4-0, and then 2-0. Um, to be honest with you guys, I'd rather remember that season than the game at Crewe early on in the season with what felt like an inevitable come-from-behind defeat when we were 1-0 up with three minutes to go, James. Yes, I think I think we were playing okay that game to be honest, and then it was just that absolute hammer blow. What was it? It's got two in five minutes or something like that. Uh, and I think I think it was the start of when we started slipping up on a few results and conceding late goals. Um, so yeah, <laughs> hopefully we can um, go and do it to them at, at their place. Um, so they had a late late loss against Barrow so you know it, it can be done um, but yeah I, I'm not expecting much 2-0 up they were at home against Barrow and, and lost it 3-2 Ollie Hawkins who got the winner at Gresty Road scored the own goal that uh, got Barrow their winner so yeah unfortunately it's a week early by all accounts well I was looking at this because um, you know, I do a little bit of research into who we're playing. And last time we talked about Jordan Bowery playing in defense for them. And now Ollie Hawkins, who's their third top scorer, six foot six striker, is now also playing in defense. So uh Nigel Clough clearly just likes to turn strikers into defenders. Um, they're just outside the playoffs. Alex, you've just mentioned that they lost three two at home to Barrow. They were doing really well, Aaron, but there's two in a row that they've lost. Are you going there hopeful with Cruz sort of maybe not an upturn in form is an overstatement, but certainly an upturn in results? Um, I, I don't know, to be honest. Our away form doesn't look like it's been that great. We tend to, the results tend to have come at Gresty Road. So, um, and then never say never, I suppose. We could always, we always look like we could nick a 1 0 against anyone. Like, and like we said before, short of, maybe Orient, who we haven't seen properly yet. Um, who are the really good teams in this league? Anybody looks like they could probably beat anybody on the day. So never say never, I think, is my stance on it. James, what are you hoping to see from the Alex on Saturday? Uh, I'd like to see us build upon, you know, the Wimbledon game. Um, team selection-wise, 
unless we sign anyone in the meantime, I'm assuming it's going to be the same team. Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see that relationship building. We'll get to see Rio getting up a bit more, hopefully Kelvin getting up a bit more um, and keep it solid. If we keep it solid, it gives us a chance of nicking something. Um, that's probably the best we can hope for, I think. James, I'm going to stick with you. What's the score going to be? Um, nil, nil. Aaron? Uh, one nil crew win. Alex? I won't wear that. Aaron's drinking. Um, two nil Mansfield. Okay. I spoke to Clive from the Mansfield Matters podcast to see how their season had been going. Hi, Clive. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, good morning. Now, last time we were playing Mansfield, I spoke to Craig, who's also from the Mansfield Matters. So just before we get started, if you could just quickly tell us about your time as a Mansfield fan. Oh, well, I'm one of the old crew. I date back to the late 60s. Um, and then life takes you in different directions. There was a big gap when I was concentrating on family and other matters and then came back a decade, decade or so ago and I've become a, a, a real a real fan. I don't miss a game if I can avoid it now. And, uh, and Mansfield Matters came along um, for me uh, at the start of the uh, pandemic when we're all looking for different t- types of communication. And um, I've I've loved it. And Craig is Craig's baby. He, Craig uh, Priest set it up some years ago. And uh, as always, these things need to be refreshed. So we tend to have a, a broader team that we can pick from. And then we invite other guests along if we think they can add value to it. Lovely. I mean, that all sounds very familiar to uh, what we're doing here at the Railway Men. Clive, we'll start with the game at Crewe early on in the season. Um, we've just spoken about on our main part of the podcast. I imagine. Mansfield fans came away from that very happy. What were your recollections of the game? Well, I thought the points were well deserved, but also I thought crew weren't very good on the day. I didn't think you performed a great deal of interest in football at all, uh, which was a shame. I've, um, I think like many Mansfield fans, we've got a bit of a soft spot for crew. It's history and uh, the fact that it's, it's produced lots of players from its own academy over the years. And that seems to have dried up a little in, in recent times. But it's a small town club with the same sort of community attitude that we've got here. How has the season been going since, just outside the playoffs at the moment? It, mostly in the wrong direction. Um, I know that's not evident from the league position, but I think the league is something of a porous beast at the moment. There's one or two games either way, and you're either in or out of success. And Mansfield's wasted its opportunities this year in terms of it, it had a period when it got up into the top three on merit, uh, but not for very long. And uh, we've had a succession of what I call upsy-downsy games where we've, we've, <clears throat> we should have won and didn't. Um, and uh, I think uh, we are only, only ourselves to blame. You could, um, our manager will say that we've had lots and lots of injuries, which we have, but I'm sure other clubs have as well. Um, but I think we've had some really poor underperformances from key players. And I think, generally speaking, the team's not as organised as I would like to think it is. And this is partly to do with the way that the manager selects the team. Can we talk about that then? Because uh, last time I was on with Craig, we were talking about Jordan Barry, obviously ex-crew uh, striker, as he was then. I believe now sometimes right-back, sometimes centre-back. 
but he's not the only one now. There's um, Ollie Hawkins, who is your third top scorer, is now playing at centre-half. Yeah, he has been all season, to be fair. We've had a real crisis of having no defence. And, the, and um, it, for whatever reason, the club let players like Faz Rawson go in the close season. We, we badly miss stability at the back. And the one thing that um, Ollie Hawkins brings is a, a fairly obvious aerial dominance. Um, and he's very good at anything coming down from the sky towards him. He, he can deal with it better than anybody I've seen. Unfortunately, anything that goes down the side of him and past him is useless. Um, he's a wasted asset in the back line. He should be uh, as a striker. We, uh, when we bring him up, when we put him in the front three, we get the benefit of it. But Clough has this obsession of putting players in, we call it, you know, square pegs in round holes syndrome. And he does that regularly. And going on to Jordan Bowery, I think we're probably not going to see a Jordan Bowery after the end of this season. He's been very much a bench warmer. Um, and he, I believe, and I think a lot of fans believe, that Clough has players that he, he puts out of favour. And I think for whatever reason, Jordan was out of favour. Um, and he only, he only plays him when he's got no choice at the moment. Um, and he, as a consequence, I see in Jordan Bowery someone who is not as committed as they would be normally. <laughs> so he'll be going somewhere else in the summer. In fact, maybe even in January, I think. Right, OK. Um, now, if you have a quick look at the um, the top scorers, the, the assists, it looks like Will Swan, best goal scorer you've got at the moment, eight goals, but then George Lapsley? Yeah, some would argue that over the last two or three years, George Lapsley's been our best player. Um, I'd probably be one of those people that cite him as, when we do very well, it's because he plays well. He had an injury last season which uh, threw him back, and I don't think he ever got back to the form he once had. However, when he's in our side, we have some creativity from midfield. When he's not in the side, we struggle. He's certainly um, the person that's had most assists in recent weeks. Um, but rumour has it, he's, there's an offer on him and we might be saying goodbye to him in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, these things happen at our level. You, if you get a decent offer of a player who isn't prepared to sign a new contract... You have to make that decision and no, nobody, no fans would want to see the back of him. But, you know, we have to accept these things. Nothing's been agreed as far as I understand, but that, the rumour is fairly strong that he's, he's on his way somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, he's a, he's a good, talented player. And as for Will Swan, he's only on loan to us from Forest, you know. He's not, he's not signed by us. <clears throat> he, although I think he may be. It depends what the Forest situation is at the end of the loan period. But what he does, he does quite well. He's quick. Um, he's not frightened of getting in there. And, of course, he plays unambiguously as a, as a forward. And I think if you give somebody a job to do and they can do it, you should leave them doing it and not put them in somewhere else. You know, I'm, I'm surprised they've not tried him in goal so far. If we do, or if you rather, see Lapsley go uh, before Saturday, who should Crew be worried about in terms of creating goals or setting up goals, being on the end of goals? I suppose our most potent striker... Oates is the one that, when he's played properly, uh, is a challenge to any defend any defensive uh, setup. He's got pace; he can hit a ball like nobody else. Um, but he needs service, and the uh, in recent weeks he hasn't had as much service as he, he should have. And yesterday's game, he, they played him at right half. You know, it just seems to me that uh, I know this sounds facetious, but. Uh, Nigel Clough tends to shake his, the bag of players up and whatever comes out first goes in whatever position he thinks they can go into. I'm all for utility players and, and Clough's defence on recruitment has always been that I'll sign lots of midfielders that can play anywhere. 
well, okay, they can play anywhere, but can they play anywhere as well as they should? And, and my view on that is, you know, you, you, you select players for their strengths and their strengths tend to be in one particular position. We've got probably the oldest and slowest defensive lineup in the league at the moment. And any team that comes to us that knows that has a way of beating us because they just play balls down the wings. And as soon as they've got past us, um, a, cr a decent cross and there's a real chance of scoring. It happened yesterday. We we lost 3-2 at home and we were 2-0 up just before half time. And there were just silly, silly goals that a good defence would have swallowed. So, you know, going back to what I said earlier, the, uh, the position in the league table, I don't think tells the whole story. Um, on the basis of what I'm seeing as a, as a passionate Mansfield fan is we are a bang average team at the moment. OK, Clive, I'm going to ask you two questions and then, uh, then I'll let you get on with your day. Um, firstly, where do you see this side finishing then this season? And secondly, what will the score be on Saturday? A lot depends on whether we acquire any more talent this month, but I'm guessing we will finish in the playoffs if we get a little bit of steam up. Any ambitions we had for automatic promotion, I'm afraid, have gone. And the score? One all. Clive, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Okay, so no real changes in the transfer window. Last week on the pod, I confidently predicted that Lachlan Brook had played his last game for the Alex, as Graham McGarry had seemed to be telling us on commentary that that was the case, only for him to stay a bit longer. Connor O'Reardon has come back, uh, which must have been a relief to Connor Thomas uh, playing in centre-half, although we've heard Alex's opinion on that's where his future should be. Um, we've got those two, James, sort of back returnees, Last week, we were hearing uh, from the guys who won last week that they would like wide players or right backs. Um, if you were to give one sign in this transfer window, what position would you be looking to strengthen? Uh, winger. Left winger, specifically. Okay. Aaron, I'll, same question to you then. Um, centre forward. I can't moan about the centre forwards as much as I have done without saying that we need to bring somebody in, especially if injuries are going to keep the other guys out. So that's the one I think I'd go for. Alex? Specifically a right wing back. I will die on the back three hill. And I think when you've got a lot of players that can play at centre-half, you should play three of them. OK, um, we haven't really talked about Conor O'Reardon, James, but I'll come back to you for this, because I think Alex mentioned the fact that he looked like he just slotted in like he'd been there all season, and that's how it looked to me as well. And there's no real bigger compliment, I don't think, than a defender who looks like they've been playing there all season and the team kept a clean sheet. Not exactly that. I mean, we've heard rave reviews from his loan. Um, and yeah, it did, it did look like he'd been there all season. He looked like an experienced player again. If, if you treat him as an outsider, a loan signing for us, then yeah, solid as a rock, impressive. Um, and looked really comfortable alongside Rod as well, which is good to see. Um, you know, he had a tough opponent in Davison, kept him really busy physically. Definitely not an easy game for him, um, but he did really well. And his distribution was decent as well. Didn't launch it at every opportunity. He did try occasionally to play a little bit. Um, so, yeah, like you say, can't really give a bigger compliment. Hopefully he can build upon it. Aaron, where was he sit in your hierarchy of centre-backs? You know, the club does seem to have a few of them. Where is he in your list? 
Um, oh, that's a tough one, really. I think, uh, based on yesterday's showing as well, because I think Rod got man of the match yesterday, um, but I think it could easily have been Conor O'Reardon as well, which probably speaks volumes, I think, for his performance. So I think he's probably third on the centre-half pecking order. Um, you, you can't really go wrong with the, anything that Luke Offord's done all season, barring his uh, disciplinary issues, I suppose. But um, I think you still got him at first and Rod probably second. So, But if any of them have to miss time, I'd feel pretty confident with kind of Reardon stepping in there. Alex, I'll come to you about Lachlan Brook then. Um, were you happy he stayed? Happy to see the other two go, the lone players that have come and gone? Yeah, I, I, I think I've said it before on the pod. There's a player in Lachlan Brook and you get those snippets, you get that the drop of the shoulder. It's a bit like an aliasm, as I'd call it, in the sense of how he addresses the ball, how he carries the ball, how he plays his passes. There, there's a footballer there. I don't think we're going to do any better in the low market. So why wouldn't you try and keep him? And if we've got these coaches that are so good, as has been told by the board, well, they should improve him as a player and we should get more out of him as the season goes on. So yeah, I am pleased we kept him. Okay, I think that will do us for another pod. Aaron, Alex, James, thank you all for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stu. Lovely to hear from you again. Thank you, as ever, for listening. We'll be back on Thursday this week when we have another of our ex-player special episodes. This time, it's a former player, Chris Cutler, who was around in the beginning of the Dario reign. It's a very enjoyable listen, so please do make sure you check it out on Thursday. Until then, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, blue moon.